Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Friday, January 6th, and we start, as always, with local news. A Spring Hill woman was arrested on Tuesday, her 23rd birthday, on three counts of fentanyl distribution and second-degree murder. Brianna Nicole Collins was taken into custody just after 5 p.m. on Tuesday, January 3rd at Huff's Grocery in Thompson Station by Spring Hill Police and was released on $70,000 bail later that night. Collins was charged with three counts of delivering fentanyl, according to police reports. Fentanyl is becoming an epidemic in the country, according to the Drug Enforcement Agency, According to a DEA press release, the CDC estimates that in the 12-month period ending in October of 2021, more than 105,000 Americans died of drug overdoses, with 66% of those deaths related to synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Last year, the United States suffered more fentanyl-related deaths than gun and auto-related deaths combined. Fentanyl is killing Americans at an unprecedented rate said DEA Administrator Ann Milgram. Already this year, numerous mass overdose events have resulted in dozens of overdoses and deaths. Drug traffickers are driving addiction and increasing their profits by mixing fentanyl with other illicit drugs. Tragically, many overdose victims have no idea they are ingesting deadly fentanyl until it's too late, she said. Collins is due in court on February 7th. Two years after the world watched the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, the cases of those accused of illegally of illegal activity that day continue to wind through the federal courts. Among the most high-profile defendants was a man wearing a tactical vest with a Tennessee-shaped patch, photographed carrying zip-tie restraints as he climbed over chairs in the Senate gallery. He quickly earned the nickname Zip-Tie Guy on social media as people worked to identify him and provide tips to the FBI. The case of that man, later identified as 30-year-old Eric Munchel, remains pending, but more than two dozen others with Tennessee ties were also charged, including two who were served further charges this past December. Punishments in the form of fines, jail time, and probation have been doled out to other Tennesseans. Stuart Parks of Columbia is among them. He was arrested in Columbia and charged alongside Baggett. The pair were reportedly spotted on security footage taken inside the Capitol. Parks is also accused of picking up and walking out of the building with a handheld metal detector wand from a table near an entrance, the complaint states. Parks was a candidate for Tennessee's 5th Congressional District earlier, uh, late last year. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges, and the case remains pending. As the proposed crossings development continues to cycle through Spring Hill's city approval process, the Spring Hill Board of Mayor and Aldermen remains divided about its potential benefit in northern Murray County. The proposed 213-acre project, approved in December, currently goes under the name Project Smash, with part of a lengthy discussion Monday during the Board of Mayor and Aldermen's January work session, which mainly focused on the city spent sending the project's plans to the Spring Hill Industrial Development Board to determine the best approach to take for the estimated $100 million project's financials. 
This will include implementing a possible tax increment financing, or TIF, to help finance the project's proposed public infrastructure improvements, including roadway construction to Crossings Boulevard, connecting the road to Kedron Road, and opening up a new entryway to the crossings. During past discussions, topics as the project's impact to the city's wastewater capacity and traffic safety were topics. The development is proposed to include a mixture of retail, residential, hotel, and commercial office space, as well as a 136,000-square-foot United States Tennis Association sports complex located adjacent to the Crossing Shopping District. Monday's item will appear on the Board of Mayor and Alderman's January 17th regular meeting agenda as a resolution in which the Board will vote on whether to submit the project's plans to the IDB for further review. The seven-member Industrial Development Board was developed by the city to support major economic initiatives. The Crossings Project is expected to develop a new road network for the area, which will be developed over the next 20 years at a cost of approximately $24 million, which will encompass about two miles of road connecting the crossings to Kedron Road. In addition, there will also be a utility network at a cost of about $8.1 million, as well as a parking structure for an additional $24.4 million. These are not hard numbers and will come in through phasing, and it's in 2022 dollars, City Administrator Pam Kasky said. You've got the infrastructure we are getting and the revenue that we are gaining. The benefits are we are getting a placemaking location for the city, a multi-state regional destination, and the completion of an award-winning plan that comes to fruition that we have been talking about doing ourselves since 2014, she said. The project's award was presented by the Tennessee chapter of the American Planning Association. Kasky added that if the Board of Mayor and Aldermen were to submit the project to the IDB, that board would be tasked with vetting the numbers and data to ensure the project's data is correct prior to construction. With this project, once you get past the actual development, is a major piece of city infrastructure connecting the crossings to Kedron Parkway, City Attorney Patrick Carter said. I think the way it's progressing is appropriate, and I don't think there's anything out of the ordinary with this request. There isn't anything unusual about this, except it's the first time we've done this in Spring Hill, he said. Some Board of Mayor and Alderman members expressed their concerns about the approval process of the project and whether the Industrial Development Board would have the final say as far as its financials or if the Board of Mayor and Alderman would revisit the project following the IDB's review. This included Alderman Trent Linville, Hazel Nieves, and John Canaperi. There was also concern considering the IDB is still a fairly new board for the city and if it is properly equipped to review such a large project at this time. I really need to know the answer if this is the last bite of the apple for the Board of Mayor and Alderman or is it not, because it can go ahead, but my decision on what I do, how we word this resolution or how I react to it is really going to be dependent on whether this is our last attempt on influencing it or if we have another shot at it, Canapari said. I really need to know how important this resolution is to the board before I vote on it, and honestly, I don't know if the IDB is ready for it, he said. Kasky responded saying that the city has hired an attorney specifically to cover the IDB, as well as a third-party consultant to oversee the Industrial Development Board. In other words, the work is being analyzed and reviewed in great detail by city-appointed experts. Ultimately, we have been front-funded funding the IDB, Kasky said. Everything is in place that's needed to be in place legally, she said. 
Columbia State Community College recently received a contribution of $100,000 from National Healthcare, NHC, for the new Southern Regional Technology Center slated for the Columbia campus. NHC plans to pledge $100,000 to the SRTC at $25,000 per year. Scott Bidwell, vice president of NHC's South Region, South Central Region, and team members from across the region presented the first year payment of $25,000, which is received by Dr. Janet F. Smith, Columbia State President, and Bethany Lay, Columbia State Vice President for Advancement and Executive Director of the Columbia State Foundation. NHC has been an active partner with Columbia State for many years, providing equipment and clinical opportunities for the training and instruction of students, said Lay. NHC employees also engage with college faculty through service on various program advisory boards. This partnership helps to graduate an excellent workforce, many of whom become employed by NHC to provide care for members of our communities, she said. The proposed SRTC, which will be built on the west side of the Columbia campus, will be a hub for workforce development. The state-of-the-art facility will provide a central location in the region to meet the educational and training needs of citizens and employers. It will be a major economic and workforce development resource by providing the latest in industry and healthcare training with an emphasis on partnerships through internships, apprenticeships, program development, and job placement. The facility is expected to cost $50 million and will be the largest of the college's buildings. National Healthcare Corporation and NHC South Central Region is excited for the opportunity to support Columbia State Community College, TCAT Pulaski, and TCAT Hohenwald with a pledged donation of $100,000 from NHC's Educational Foundation, the Foundation for Geriatric Education, towards the Southern Regional Technology Center project, said Scott Bidwell, Vice President of NHC South Central Region. NHC NHC South Central Region recognizes Columbia State Community College and the TCAT organizations as a primary supplier of nursing workforce to our communities and are eager to assist in that ongoing effort by your organizations. We look forward to the opportunities the Southern Regional Technology Center will bring to Columbia and our surrounding communities, he said. The Columbia State Foundation is a 501c3 organization that supports and partners with the college to positively impact student success and the communities in which it serves. For more information, you can visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash foundation. Willow Branch Homes, a locally owned and operated home building company, has donated one of their new homes to raffle off in support of Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt and will offer the chance to win the home in the spring of 2023. The donation furthers Willow Branch Homes' commitment to serving the local community. Tickets went on sale on December 22nd for the second annual I Am Home raffle and a winner will be drawn on April 14th, 2023. Tickets cost $100 each. The I Am at Home raffle home is located in the Fields of Canterbury neighborhood in Thompson Station, just minutes from Franklin and just a little bit north of Spring Hill. The four-bedroom home has an estimated value of $950,000 and features a two-car garage, open-concept kitchen, and more. We're excited to continue our partnership with Willow Branch Homes as beneficiary of the I Am Home raffle, said Dr. Meg Rush, president of Monroe Carroll. At Monroe Carroll, we come to work every day focused on providing hope and healing for children through our commitment to personalized patient care. We are so grateful to have Willow Branch as a faithful community partner to support us in our service and dedication to children and families in our community, 
she said. Paul Weiniger, COO of Willow Branch, said, Willow Branch is proud to be able to offer this home to one lucky winner while benefiting Monroe Carroll. From townhomes and neighborhood classics to lake cottages, estate-style homes, and beyond, Willow Branch Homes offers a range of home designs for any stage of life, all with impeccable craftsmanship and an elevated customer experience throughout every stage of the build, Weiniger said. A limited number of tickets are available, and participants can reserve a ticket online at IamHomeRaffle.com. Willow Branch Homes broke ground on the home in July. It will be decorated and furnished for viewing this spring by I Am Home sponsor Head Springs Depot of Franklin. To reserve a ticket, see additional details, or read terms and conditions, visit IamHomeRaffle.com. The I Am Home Raffle is authorized by the State of Tennessee Division of Charitable Solicitations, Fantasy Sports, and Gaming. Purchasers may be located within Tennessee at time of purchase. Other restrictions apply. The Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation has received a $7,500 grant from the Women's Fund of the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee, which will assist in providing free mammograms, camisoles, wigs, lymphedema garments, and more to those who qualify. This is the 12th consecutive year that the foundation has received funds from the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee, said Regional Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation Executive Director Joe Kilgore. We are grateful, always, for their support as we serve the women in our region facing a cancer diagnosis. Through the Women's Center Fund, we are able to relieve some of the financial burden facing these women during this very difficult time in their lives, he said. The Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee, a charitable organization dedicated to enriching the quality of life in Middle Tennessee and beyond, recently announced $2.8 million in grants to 432 local nonprofit organizations as part of the 2022 annual grant-making process. The Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation was among those organizations. The work of our nonprofit partners has never been more important as we watch needs emerge and evolve in this community said Ellen Lehman, president of the Community Foundation of Middle Tennessee. The Community Foundation is honored to connect generosity with need through these annual grants and other avenues throughout the year, but we couldn't have an impact without the array of quality nonprofits offering solutions to our community's needs and vital services to our neighbors, she said. The Community Foundation awards discretionary grants annually from its unrestricted and field of interest funds through an open application process to Middle Tennessee nonprofit organizations addressing community needs and benefiting the well-being of citizens through valuable programs and innovative services. More information about Community Foundation's grant process is online at www.cfmt.org. To learn more about the Murray Regional Healthcare Foundation and its Women's Center Fund, visit murrayregional.com forward slash foundation. Have you always wanted to quit nicotine but never found something that works for you? Murray Regional Health is offering a free four-class series to help. The nicotine cessation classes will meet on four Tuesdays in the new year, January 17th, 24th, 31st, and February 7th. Each class begins at 6 p.m. and will be held at Murray Regional Medical Center. The classes will meet in the private dining room near the cafeteria. Sharon Dobbins, a respiratory therapist and former smoker, will lead the sessions. Quitting cigarettes, vaping products, and smokeless tobacco may be the single most important thing a person can do to improve their health, said Dobbins. As a former smoker, I can personally relate to the challenges that come with trying to stop using tobacco products and encourage those who are trying to quit joining to join this supportive group session. 
According to the CDC, cigarette smoking causes more than 480,000 deaths each year in the United States. This is nearly one in five deaths. The article then states, even people who smoke fewer than five cigarettes a day can have early signs of cardiovascular disease. Smoking causes diminished overall health, increased absenteeism from work, and increased health care utilization and cost. Regardless of your nicotine choice, Murray Regional Health wants to help you on your journey to quitting. Advanced registration for the nicotine cessation program is requested so that course materials may be prepared. To register, visit www.murrayregional.com forward slash classes dash and dash events or call the number 931-840-4446. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. Donald Paul Alderson, Jr., 78, retired employee of the Department of Transportation and Columbia Rubber and Gasket, died Sunday, January 1st at Murray Regional Medical Center. A graveside service for Mr. Alderson will be conducted on Friday at 1 p.m. at Neapolis Cemetery. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors are assisting the family with arrangements. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness, and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well. But we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have mostly sunny skies today with a high of 53 degrees. Winds will be light and variable. Tonight, we can expect cloudy skies with a slight chance of a rain shower. The low will be down around 35 degrees. For your weekend forecast, it looks like rain for both Saturday and Sunday. Highs will be in the low 50s and the lows will be in the mid-30s to low 40s. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential,
residential and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello, friends. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. If you've got a yard, you may plan on digging in it. Like to build an addition, put in a pool, or bury your pirate booty. But you should know that throughout the country, there may be pipelines buried underground. And if you hit one, you've got trouble. Sorry. So before you dig, call 811 to have any buried pipelines located and marked at no charge. For more tips on pipeline safety, visit pipesafety.org. A message from the Tennessee Gas Association, Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee's office has used a controversial public records exemption to deny over 60 requests from local journalists, residents, and state representatives since 2019, which experts say is a blow to transparency and public accountability. The exemption, called the Deliberative Process Privilege, is an exception to state open records laws that have been carved out by the courts. The privilege allows high government officials to deny records when they believe the documents are part of their deliberative decision-making process. Because the exemption lacks specificity, critics say it leads to abuse and an overly broad reading of the privilege by state and local officials. This broad interpretation is not a good thing because it basically lets them take a magic wand and whatever they don't want to release, they just use this phrase over it, deliberative process. 
said Deborah Fisher, executive director of the Tennessee Coalition for Open Government. There's no limit to what they can keep secret, she said. Between January 19th of 2019, when Lee took office through mid-September, the governor's office used the exemption 61 times to prevent access to a wide range of requests, blocking records regarding financial assistance programs, COVID-19 response measures, prison safety concerns, and far more, according to records obtained by the Tennessean. The vast majority of the requests, some of which are partially denied, were for texts and emails between the governor's office and Others, such as lawmakers, private contractors, and members of the governor's own office, according to the records. The more than five dozen times the office denied requests citing the privilege is only a portion of the denials across state government. The Tennessean requested records for each time Lee's office blocked records citing the privilege. Other state agencies and departments in the Lee administration also cite deliberative process when denying access to records. For instance, the records don't include the Department of Human Resources' initial denial of a $1.5 million taxpayer-funded report by McKinsey & Company that included recommendations on improving government efficiency and Tennessee's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's not American, Fisher said. The public has a right to information about what their government is doing, and it is their right to talk about it and to give their opinion about it. They need to know what their government is doing because they need that information to then make decisions on who to watch and who to vote for, she said. When Lee took office, he touted efforts his administration was taking to increase government transparency, including inviting the public to comment on legislation and launching a website to give more disclosure on economic development projects. And he signed legislation helping protect residents who criticize government officials and other public figures. But he also faced criticism in other areas, including for hosting a series of closed-door meetings across the state in health care and criminal justice issues, and for his administration's use of the del- deliberative process privilege. Lee spokesman Jade Byers stood by the use of the exemption, saying once decisions are made, the governor shares those publicly. The long-established deliberative process protection enables candor and the consideration of diverse ideas during the governor's decision-making process, Byers said in a statement. Consistent with the administration's commitment to transparency, the outcomes of the governor's decisions are shared publicly, she said. Byers did not answer additional questions posed on whether the exemption is overused or how Lee's office determines who counts as a, quote, high government official. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll.
Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. The year kicks off with another fun and festive First Fridays in Columbia this weekend. The city invites locals and visitors alike to the downtown square with opportunities to shop late, eat good food, and enjoy local music. The main First Fridays event will run from 5 to 8 p.m. Come out for the monthly Columbia event, which often brings thousands to the downtown square to experience all the fun that downtown Columbia has to offer, as well as an opportunity to support its local businesses. Shop among an assortment of vendors hawking unique items and treasures this weekend at Riverside Antiques After Dark. That event will take place from 5 to 8 p.m. at 901 Riverside Drive, which will be held every first Friday throughout the winter months. It is also free to attend. Small food items will be provided, as well as live music by Brennan White. Shop, hang out, and enjoy live music with locals while also enjoying good company down by the Duck River. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back on Monday to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great weekend.